0: Hello, America, I'm Robert Reese, and welcome to CEO Show. We're here today with David Chuback. How are you, David?
1: I'm doing great, Robert. Thanks for having me today.
0: And David is the head of wealth management at Edward Jones. Now, you've held all sorts of leadership roles. You were CEO of of City Retail Services. You're back with McKinsey. But Edward Jones is to me and always has been a very special organization. Um, And even even my mom has a lot of her retirement with you guys because she trusts you and it's a whole different customer model. Talk about the Edward Jones model and why it's different than any other financial organization.
1: Well, I think you said it right, Robert. It is special. It is different. And please thank your mother for uh, working alongside us uh, to secure her financial future, uh, which is quite humbling. Uh, What really attracted me to Edward Jones is it is a purpose-driven organization. Uh, It is all about having a positive and lasting impact on our clients, on our colleagues, and by doing so together to have an impact on the communities and and, uh, society that we live in. And those aren't words, those are actions. Those are actions of 19,000 advisors, 19,000 branch office administrators who are serving in local communities, who are out helping... Main Street, good old Americans, Canadians grow their financial well-being to secure their futures and ultimately give back to their communities. And it is a very counter strategy in a world where you're seeing the big brokers going after Wall Street and going after the big high net worth. We're a model that focuses across all segments, has a unique offering to help clients at all stages of
0: life to ultimately live better lives. Let's go into that purposeful leadership. Describe what that is and give me an example of, what, of what's happening at Edward Jones, what you're doing.
1: So purposeful leadership uh, for s- starts with the client, and it starts with understanding the needs of a client and working through their goals, their aspirations, and developing for them a plan. And it's a very personal experience. In a world where wealth management is being shifted towards robos and to technology solutions, We believe that purpose starts by having that human-centered approach, a complete approach to wealth management that really understands where an individual and their family wants to um, aspire to and what purpose they have. And that personal connection between our branch teams and between our clients really manifests into a higher degree of calling for wealth management. And then, yes, it infuses in it. All the capabilities, the products, the technologies that help do the job better and more, in a more sophisticated way. But it starts by understanding purpose and building that trust-based connection that lasts for years and
0: years. And and I sense, David, that that's what drew you there. You wanted something purpose-driven and then you, you found it. What were your influences on your leadership style?
1: Well, absolutely, Robert, and um, the the sense of purpose certainly has been a, a driving force in my career.
0: But it really did get me so
1: excited when I when I met the leadership team at Edward Jones, because again, for them, it's it's not just words; it's translated in action. Um, look, for me, I grew up in, in very humble beginnings. Uh, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, with uh, my grandmother, grandfather, my great grandmother. Um, we all lived in a in a house together, and you know, for them, they came in as immigrants to the country with nothing on their backs and frankly we're given a chance to live the American dream and that's been the influence for me has been uh, the opportunity to give back to a country that allowed our family to grow to flourish um, and to a position where I get to in a blessed and humble way give that uh, deliver back an impact to the broader country like that to me is just such an incredible reality Uh, that to me is my purpose.
0: W- w- was there a conversation you ever had maybe with your grandfather, grandmother, father, mother that really shaped that?
1: I'd say it was uh, actually an experience uh, with my grandmother and my grandmother. When uh, she came over, both her and my grandfather, she was from Poland. And my grandfather, in a bit of a poignant reminder today, is from the Ukraine. Um, and they each spoke six languages. Uh, English was not one of them. Um, but my grandmother, who was quicker to learn English, was able to get a job at a local bank in Brooklyn where she was a bank reader. What that meant is she literally would hold the door open. She'd see someone who a day or a few days earlier had literally gotten off the boat at Ellis Island, would come in. She'd speak one of the many languages that they'd speak, and she would help them set up their first account and be able to set up their financial future to take care of their families going forward. And getting to watch her in action was just an incredible experience. We'd walk around the town, and people would run up to her, and I wouldn't know what they were saying because, sadly, I, I only spoke English growing up. My grandparents would never teach me those languages so they can talk behind my back and not let me hear exactly what they were saying, um, but you know, she'd get down a block, and someone would run up to her, and you can see in the emotion the impact that her just opening a door and helping them get their their, their financials uh, started had on them personally, and her interconnection to the community has lasted with me to the day. And I haven't been able to, to achieve that in my career. I
0: still aspire to. What was your grandmother's name?
1: Uh, my grandmother's name was Ida Chubak.
0: There, there you go. So I, now how about on, on the other side of it, have you ever mentored people? Because that was obviously a huge inspiration you got fr- from your grandmother and grandfather and what they did.
1: Uh, Look, I've always believed in paying it forward, and uh, I've been blessed not just to have family mentors, but in my career uh, for McKinsey and through Citi, and and now even at Edward Jones, I'd say I've been very fortunate to have people who uh, mentored me in the way of not just helping me grow, but really beat me up and put me through the the car wash to help me be better and offered the feedback along the way. And um, I think I've learned just as much with the opportunities I've had in recent years to mentor the next generations of talent coming through. And there are some great people um, at City and some of our partners over the last few years uh, whose careers I am watching with awe. And I'd like to say I had a tiny, small little piece of influence in their development. But I think mentorship is a two-way street and you take as much as you give.
0: One more question on that. Is there any secret sauce to effective mentorship on both sides of the table?
1: One is uh, to be a provocative truth teller. And by that, I mean, sometimes uh, mentees um, want the feedback, but the mentors feel like their job is to be a positive influence and a cheerleader. I'll tell you the best mentors I've had in life are the ones that will leave a meeting and say, David, you could have done better and here's how. And the here's how I think is the part of mentorship that is sometimes missed. There's ideas of being supporters and proponents and advocates in career, and those are really important. And I talk to a number of my mentees, in particular um, women that I've worked with, who are looking for advocates to help build their careers. I always tell them find advocates, but don't lose the side of mentorship, where you will have someone who will be there and watching you, and be a truth teller, notoriously to you. That plus advocacy is, I think, the secret sauce to being able to, being able to build
0: future careers. And and I think with women and and Penny there. Um... DEI is alive and driving forward at Edward Jones.
1: It is incredible to see the passion and the impact that the team at Edward Jones has around DEI. And it it has a number of facets. It, It starts around focusing on improving financial outcomes. It focuses on health outcomes. And it also focuses on broadening inclusion. And again, I look at the initiatives that are happening across local communities, 3,000 local communities across the continent in the U.S. and Canada. And again, it's tangible impact that are happening locally and now nationally. Uh, I had a chance to watch Penny in Action at the Catalyst Conference in New York, uh, which focuses on enabling and growing women in their careers. And it was just incredible to see the reception of the work that she and the entire leadership team at Edward Jones have been
0: doing. So, David, as you look across the country, we deal with CEOs all the time. And CEOs now are understanding their fiduciary responsibility to build a culture and to help talent grow. What can CEOs do to help their teams be more successful in uncertain financial times?
1: Well, Robert, I think that's a really great question. And it's an area I'd I'd argue that um, companies and company leaders are not thinking about as much as they should across all segments of their population. Uh, In this age of anxiety we're facing right now, we're seeing such a, a, I'll call it, acumen gap for early families, for less sophisticated investors who are not really focusing on building for the future, are not saving for the future. And if you look at the the savings gap and the retirement gap for huge segments of our population, it's growing wider, and frankly, it's impacting populations like minorities, uh, like women, even more so. And I'd say CEOs have to do three things. First, they got to go out and listen. They got to understand what is holding back some of their employees from starting the path of building for their financial well-being. The second is they've got to be able to put in place policies and practices that will ultimately help them get on the path. And it's not just about the 401k anymore. It's about ensuring you have financial advice, wellness, um, broad array of, of tools and financial services And third, they've got to get out and help teach their employees that this isn't a one-time thing. It's not open enrollment. This is every day. You've got to be thinking about this as part of your your well-being. And that they should find trusted advice, a trusted advisor who can help them in their journey.
0: Okay, this is Robert Reese on The CEO Show. We're about to take a break. When we come back, we're going to find out things like what's going on with inflation and how do you drive success? in financial services with so much volatility back in a few Hi this is Robert Reese on the CEO show where we interview the CEOs who have reinvented the fabric of America. We're here today with David Chubak who is the leader of wealth management at at edward jones and we heard about edward jones the the great company the focus on customers dei what they're doing but now i want to ask you you've been involved in financial services for a long time from when even when you start at mckinsey through city it's it's a volatile time now it's really tough there's the pandemic there's um geopolitical, unbelievable challenges with Russia, Ukraine. Just talk about how do you succeed in financial services in times of uncertainty?
1: So uh, I'd say, look, uh, the the reality of financial services is it's a cyclical business. And uh, the times when you really need strong financial services to shine are exactly moments like this. I'd say one of the biggest trends we're seeing right now is we're living in an age of anxiety. And this anxiety is not just on people who have less financial means. The anxiety permeates every segment of society. In fact, I'd say in this world we're in today, sometimes the more well-to-do segments of the population financially are actually facing some of the largest anxieties in how to deal with the realities of sociopolitical, now war, market volatility, but not just one, it's, it's the combination of all that. Plus in a health pandemic where there's still lots of unanswered questions that are impacting not just people and their careers, but families and kids at school. And when I tell you um, why this moment is so important is I think this is exactly when strong financial services companies that are focused on protecting and growing the financial well-being of investors and people is so important. It's why I think it's a moment for Edward Jones, which is all about the long-term investor, and it's all about the human connection. And I always say, Robert, that people often don't think they need advice until they need advice. And I can tell you we're in a time period right now where I don't know anyone who doesn't need good advice. And Edward Jones advisors across the continent right now are out helping their clients think through the today, but also adjusting and planning for the future. And that's exactly what good financial services companies are supposed to do
0: at moments like these. When we're talking moments like these, uh, there's a little thing called inflation, 40-year high. What's your take on how that will impact investments and the economy?
1: So I'd say, Robert, in some ways that we are seeing inflation shouldn't be too surprising. I mean, coming off the pandemic, the emergency responses, the stimulus efforts, the PPP programs uh, were in some ways really incredible in that they were able to get so much liquidity into a market at a time where it needed it most and put aside whether it was executed flawlessly or not, the reality is that burst of liquidity really did get the country and perhaps the world through the early stage of the pandemic far better than I think anyone ever imagined. But of course, there's always consequences for that action. And the reality is um, Americans right now are sitting in their bank accounts with more deposits uh, than they have in recent years. And the savings rate is up, and that's a good thing. Uh, And with that comes the reality that Uh, individuals are starting to think of careers differently, which is also a good thing. But you put all those factors together with now the reality of war, the reality of uh, supply chain disruptions from labor disruptions, and the fact that we are seeing inflation isn't too shocking. Now, what to do about it is a great question. And on that, again, I think the aspect of thinking through long term, investing through the long term is important. And the reality is people need to be adjusting their day-to-day finances. I can tell you, seeing a gas pump um, close to my hometown at 425 a, a gallon is going to require many people to think of how they spend money differently. Seeing the food bill increasing on the on basic fundamentals and basic essentials is leading people to have to adjust their discretionaries. But what that also means is people have to think about how they're going to continue through these adjusted price increases to still save their nest eggs for the future, to still be able to ensure they're setting aside a world where we may see more volatility persist. I'm hoping and I'm confident we're not going to see inflation like the 1970s, 80s, where we're going to see double-digit mortgage rates and interest rates um, coming back again. But the idea of seeing more normalized and creeping up um, prices in every day is a reality that everyone needs to be adjusting their financial plans for, not for another month or two, but likely for years to come.
0: Okay, let's let's shift to personal side. So you're the only guy I've ever interviewed who uh, flew a plane and convinced his wife to be on it. And then you also ran a marathon with your dad and you've four great kids, I know. So talk about the personal side of you.
1: Uh, The personal side of me uh, likes to hustle a bit and likes to take on some weird and tough challenges that you kind of think, why would you do it? Uh, I got to say, convincing my wife to get in a plane I was piloting was one of the uh, maybe silliest and, in retrospect, not smartest decisions in my life. Um, I can say that uh, I always like to say takeoffs equal landings. And in this case, the good news is uh, we we, we landed and we've been married for 18 years. So uh, the traumatic experience at least had uh, some better days after. I'd say running the marathon, uh, I'd actually done a few times with my dad, uh, has been just a, a pleasure. Uh, it's an homage to where we grew up in New York. We, we get to run by uh, our old home in Brooklyn, all the way across uh, New York and the Bronx and Queens, places we've lived uh, throughout our lives. So it's just a, a great moment to celebrate our, our upbringing and the parts of the world that have helped give us so much. Um, but look, I, I always like to say I'm, I'm, I've, I'm a blessed man. I come from a family that started with literally nothing but clothes and hopes. And I get the fortune of raising four kids in a great city and working at an incredible firm. I mean, what a blessing.
0: Final question. You manage thousands of people. You could share what the number is in wealth management. What is your philosophy to help them succeed? And how do you know when you have someone that that person is going to be really successful?
1: So I've had the privilege in my career of, of you know managing organizations with tens of thousands of people, all the way down to organizations of six and seven people. And I can tell you my philosophy has always been the same, and my approach to talent and leadership has always been the same. And that is I'm a big believer that you've got to stay humble, but you've got to hustle really hard. And what I mean by that is all of us are, are, fortune, are, are products of a little bit of good luck, um, and the reality of where we were born or some situations in life and you got to be grateful for it. and You got to be thankful for those that have paved the way to whatever luck and opportunity you have in life. Um, but I believe that the corollary of that is if you've been given an opportunity to have an impact at scale, uh, like I feel blessed to at Edward Jones with 19,000 advisors and $1.8 trillion of assets under care. I and mean, when you have that scale, you got to hustle. You got to bring your game to ensure that you make a positive impact you leave a lasting impact, not just on the people you work with, but the clients you serve and the communities they live in. And by bringing those two pieces together, knowing from where you came and uh, working hard to build that future, um, you have just the best fortune in life. That's what I look for in teams, whether they're big, uh, small, anything in between. I look for people who are able to be grounded, have humility, but are ready to come to work each day with that sense of purpose and pride to deliver.
0: So there we have it with, with, with David Tuback from Edward Jones, and what we've heard is hustle, but be humble. But more so when you want to mentor people, think about this. It's great to be positive and tell them, but perhaps even more valuable is right after meeting to say, you know what? You could do better next time, and here's how. Remember those words? Here's how as a mentor. Great having you as a guest on The CEO Show.
1: Thanks for having me, Robert. Appreciate it.